Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. God, I, I need your will in this situation. So tell me what you want me to do. And if I like it, I'll obey it. Don't laugh. We've all done that. God, you tell me, well, what's your plan? Okay, that's not really what I was thinking. But you have to decide right now today, this is the only way to live, that all-knowing God knows way more about your life and your plan than I do. In today's message, Pastor Mark will contrast the temporal desires of the world with the eternal gains of heaven. One example of the world's desires is the pursuit of wealth. Open your checkbook register or this month's QuickBooks report. Where have I invested for God and where have I invested for myself? If you haven't put your money where your mouth is, begin to make changes and commitments in giving of your finances, as well as time and skills to your church and ministries of Christ. Pastor Mark will remind us that there's nothing permanent about life on earth. So everything we do should focus on God, people, and the use of our time. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now open your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. As we join Pastor Mark for part one of our message entitled, The World is Ending, Live Today. Much of our life is actually spent like this, looking at small details. We have to do that. You have to look at the details of life because you have schedules for today and tomorrow. But one of the things that I like to do, and it happens when we're, when we're gone, we were able this time to fly a new plane, the 380, which basically holds 500 plus people. It's like a city. Well, when you're 35,000 miles high, feet high, and you look down to the earth, you get a very different perspective. I want to give you this morning at all of our campuses time to refocus. Oh, we still have to do the small things, but I want you to get the big picture today. That's what John's going to give us. I want you to step back from your life and see what maybe God sees and we'll give you a picture of kind of what's coming. That's really what John does for us in our teaching. Now, when you see these words on the screen in this picture, what comes to your mind? The end of the world. I know some of you are going to say, Pastor Mark, are you going to come up with a date? We already went through that. Everybody went to Mexico. That didn't happen. No, I'm not going to come up with a date. The Bible tells us not to come up with a date. It's foolish. Is this, a, is this another horror movie? You know, if you watch the end of the world, the only cities that ever get killed are Los Angeles and New York. I don't know what happens with the rest of the world. <laughs> Crazy, aren't we? Say, Pastor Mark, come on now. The end of the world? The, the world's going to end? Yeah, it is. 
Guaranteed going to end. Well, I don't believe it. Well, it's because you're skeptical. But John's going to tell us about that this morning. But not only is the world going to end, the planet we live on going to end, but here's something else that's going to end. And I made it personal this morning. Take a look. That's my obituary. Notice there's no date. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I'm alive this morning, in case you want to know. But someday, there'll be a date there. And someday, your picture and a date will be there. The world is ending, and you're ending. So what do we do about that? You say, Pastor Mark, thanks for coming back. Could you have just stayed away a few more weeks? This is pitiful. No, this is great. Because, see, when you stand back and get the big picture, it helps us, even with the details of life. We begin in 1 John chapter 2. I've asked you to turn there already. Let's take a look down at simply this little passage that we started a few weeks ago, verse 15. John says it like this. Do not love the world, the world system, or anything in the world, for the love of the Father, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Then he says this, for everything in the world, the craving of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from that world system. Here's the verse we're going to study this morning. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. So John, right in those verses, gives us two reasons for not, two reasons for not loving the world system, which is under the influence of Satan. Number one, if we love the world and power and possessions and position and pride and all those things, if we love the world, you can't really say you really love God. You can't love God and the world. But the second reason he says don't love the world and the world system, don't get all tied up with all that stuff, is this. The world system is temporary. And soon it's going to end. It is actually going to be destroyed. Now, the Apostle John confirms what Peter writes about the end of the earth. We don't know exactly how it's going to be destroyed, whether it's nuclear type, holocaust, or what, we really don't know. But watch what happens. Look what Peter writes right here. But the day of the Lord, found in First, Second Peter chapter 3, the day of the Lord will come like the thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. And the elements on the earth will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. This earth and the heavens that we can see are going to be gone. They're going to be destroyed by God. Well, what happens after that? When we get to the book of Revelation, we have the answer. Look at Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. You see, if you take these verses and you present them to people in the community, they just laugh you out of your, just right out of the place. They just laugh you out of the place. No, this is going to happen. This is real. And so the big picture, as you and I look at that, we have to stand back and go, well, God's judgment one day, you know, we don't see a lot of God's judgment right now. 
things are, so many things are done unfairly. We, we just don't see it. But God's judgment's coming during that seven-year tribulation period. And it will bring an end to our God-rejecting, our Bible-denying, our Christ-hating, and our Christ-follower persecuted world. It'll be through. It'll be judged by God. John goes on in the passage where we're at, and he introduces two terms that you probably have heard. He introduces the term the Antichrist, big capital A, and then he introduces the term Antichrist, plural, small a. And he says the Antichrists are already in the world. We have a lot of Antichrists right here in the world. As we look at it, there's one thing I want you to begin writing this morning. I'll give you seven or eight things to write. Here's the first key I want you to write on. Everybody write it because this is the big picture. There is nothing permanent about life on this earth. Maybe you bought something this week and it says guaranteed for life. Let's all laugh together. Because by the time it goes bad, you go to get it replaced. The company's already gone out of business. And there's nothing permanent about life on earth. And, but not only is our physical world temporary and passing away, but every one of us, every person listening to me, every person on the earth, is also in the process of passing away, of dying. Now, God never designed it that way. We were designed to live forever, healthy, pure, no sin, no sickness, no problems. But sin came, and sin brought death. The minute you're born, you begin to die. But there's hope. But look at, I want you to turn your Bible, 2 Corinthians. That's why I ask you to have a Bible. You'll see on the overhead where it is. You can take a look on your New Testament. It's about a third of the way in the New Testament. Just go to 2 Corinthians. Paul speaks about this well, this passing away of humans. They go to chapter 4, all of our campuses, Vieira, Sebastian, the work camp, those of you here and those of you watching online. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. I'll read it out of the New Living. Notice what Paul says. He begins by saying this. This is why we never give up. So even though we know the earth, the earth is going to be destroyed and we're going to die, it's not like, oh man, this is a bummer. No, we have a future. There's good stuff coming. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So even though it's going to be difficult, we don't, none of us really like the process. It's going to happen. So Paul says, no, we don't give up. You have a positive attitude. Then he says this, though our bodies are dying, the real you and me is our spirit. Notice, our spirits are being renewed every day. Our bodies are dying. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Well, let's take a look at this first. Our bodies are dying. Now, some of you that are older, how many of you that are a little older wish you had a body uh, that was was 17 years old. Uh, I mean, you 17-year-olds just quit gloating. And, uh, how many wish you had a body that was 17-year-old this morning? Come on, come on. You guys, you know, the muscle would be here, not here. For the women, everything you have has also fallen. Your face has fallen. How many women would, would like to get up in the morning and your face is like the baby bottom of 10 or 12-year-old? How, how many like that? Praise God. We'd like it too because there's no money for the stuff that you buy. How many know that ain't going to happen? Because we're, say it with me, we're dying. We're getting older. Do you know that things hurt today that you never even knew you had? <laughs> Those of you younger, don't laugh, you're coming. You're co aren't they coming? If you got somebody around that's young, just turn to them right now and say, it's going to happen to you too, just do it, do it right now. If you've got young people around you, go ahead. There's lots of young people in the balcony, you tell them right now, it's going to happen to you. 
No, not at all. Paul says it's going to happen, but we don't give up hope because what we're going to pay for here, our spirits are growing, good things are happening, and we can make an impact in our world. So we we don't want to have this kind of dead, critical, negative attitude. It's just life. Now, since the world is ending, and you and I are decomposing, How should we live? Peter tells us perfectly. Look what Peter has. I have it for you on the overhead. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in this world. A pilgrim is a a foreigner, is a nomad, an alien, a stranger. What Paul is saying is, uh, Peter's saying is this, our life on earth is simply a short journey. We're pilgrims. We are people in transit. We're on our way to our final destination. You see, heaven is our real home. By the way, that's when you get your new body. Perfect. Always will be perfect. That is our final home. Listen to what Vance Hefner says. Vance Hefner says, if you are a Christian, you're not a citizen of this world trying to get to heaven. You're a citizen of heaven making your way through the world. See, it's very different. We're just here temporarily. So if, if I'm a pilgrim and, and I know that I'm going to pass away and the world's going to pass away, so what is my mentality? What, what do I think? Do I, do I not look at the details of life anymore? Just throw those little readers away? No, I have to do the details. I have to, have to live. I, I have to raise a family. I have to do work. I have to do all those things. But the big picture is this one. Write it down this morning. Pilgrim mentality is this. I focus on God and people and the use of my time. See, I want to focus on things that outlast this earth. What outlasts this earth? People and God. And of course, the Word of God. So the most valuable resource you have today is our time. So we don't want to talk about doing things just tomorrow. I want to live Today, in a few weeks, I'll talk more about that. And David wrote in Psalms 39.4, Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting life is. So pilgrims are challenged to use their time wisely. Well, how do I do that? How do I use my time wisely? Go back to 1 John, where you were. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, John gives us the answer. John reminds us that uh, the brevity of our life, that's not what we focus on. We're to invest our time doing something specific. And let me show you what it is. 1 John 2, 17, all our campuses. The world and its desires pass away. Watch this. But the man, the woman, who does the will of God lives forever. In contrast to our temporary world, God's will is permanent. Dio Moody on his grave marker had tombstone had this placed. He who does the will of God abides forever. Now I want you to write this down and you this is one you ought to put in probably in your Bible. Here's what it says. The best way to use our time is to do the will of God. The best use of my time is to do what God wants, his will. Now, 
I want you to, we'll be back there a little later, but I want you to turn to John 6, 38, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you get there, remember our role model in life, as we read the New Testament, initially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, our role model is always Jesus. He's the only perfect one. Now, when he came to earth, he made a statement about the will of God. He made a statement about the will of God. Now, as you get to John 6, 38, I want you just to stop for a moment. And I want your attention, because I want to give you a a big picture of the will of God. When we mention the will of God, some people get confused with that. Let me just show you. It's very simple. There's two ways to do life. You can do life your way, or you can do life God's way. God's way is God's will. Your way is your way. But really... Your way is not going to be influenced by God. It's going to, if you're not a Christian for sure, you're going to be influenced by Satan. I'm going to be influenced by my old sinful nature. I, I, my, the way I want to do life, my will is, is going to make sure that I'm taken care of. So there's this battle between God's will and my will. Now let me say a few more things and then we'll, we'll move on. When you get to the place, God's will starts, it starts pretty detailed in some things. We'll see it. When you look, the Bible's going to say, if you're going to get married, the Bible's going to say God's will for you to get married is very simple. Marry another believer. If you're a woman, you marry a man. If you're a man, you marry a woman. It's very simple. That's the will of God. Anything outside of that is not the will of God. You say, well, I'm, I'm marrying a nice person. They're not a Christian. It's not the will of God. Will you be in trouble? You'll be a disaster. See, anytime we go against the will of God, nothing turns out right. We've all done it. We still do it. It doesn't turn out right. So the will of God does have detail, but when you turn to the Bible, when you turn to the Bible and you begin looking at the Bible, you can't come to the Bible and says, Mary Jane. It'd be nice, but you then have to go into your spirit and say, God, is Jane, is Jim the right person for me? So God will give that. But the general overall principles are always written in the Word of God. So what I'm going to teach you this morning is not those details. Mary Jane, move to city X, take this job. God has a will for that. And we work it through. But I want to show you the big picture of the will. So look how Jesus puts it. John 6, 38. Look what he says. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will. There's that contrast. But to do the will of him who sent me. Now, when... The disciples saw Jesus pray. They said to him, teach us to pray. You'll remember this from the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said this. We ought to pray this every day. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus prays for God's will to be accomplished in my life today, here and now. Now here's a huge thing. God wants you to know his will. Basically, that's why he gave us the word of God. He wants us to know his will. You can read that in Colossians 1.9. Now, let me just stop for a moment. If you can understand this principle about God's will, your whole life will be really a piece of cake. If you decide yourself, but God, I, I need your will in this situation. So tell me what you want me to do. And if I like it, I'll obey it. Don't laugh. We've all done that. God, you tell me, well, what's your plan? Okay, that's not really what I was thinking. But you have to decide right now today, 
This is the only way to live. That all-knowing God knows way more about your life and your plan than I do. If you can say this, today, God, I want your plan. I don't care what it is. You don't have to tell me what it is. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. That's really what Jesus said. I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of the Father. When did Jesus discover God's will? Every morning. You just tell me. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. If you can get to that place, your Christian life will be a piece of cake. There will still be trouble. There will still be trouble. There will be difficulties. But as, as you're serving, you've already said to God, I'm for your will, baby. Whatever you want, I'll just do it. Now, if you can't get there, then you're going to struggle your whole life. And, and that's a matter of thinking. Paul writes in Romans this verse, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. See, the world's trying to get you to do its will. Paul says, don't conform to that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What renews my mind? The Word of God. See, as I think, I become. So here's what Paul says. When you renew your mind with the Word, here's what he says. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. So here's what I want you to write. Understand this is the big picture. It's huge. It's a great principle for us. God's will is discovered, because people are always asking, what's God's will? God's will is discovered by aligning ourselves with the written Word of God. I don't have to guess. I'm not here by speculation. If I want to know how to live in the general overall principles of this world, I'm going to put God first. And we learned three principles already today. God, people, and the use of my time. The other things are side issues. So if I want God's will in my life, because that's the best way, Jeremiah 29, I I know the plans you have for me, they're good plans, plans for me to prosper. That's God's will. God isn't going to give you, say, a miserable plan. He wants to use you to change the kingdom. Every day we should be praying, God, every day we should say, your will should be done in my life as it is in heaven. Now, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. How does this work out in our life? And this is where I'm going to give you five principles to write today. Mark chapter 1, all of our campuses. When Jesus came to the earth, by the time he became 30, was filled with the Spirit, baptized in the water, was tempted for 40 days, and then he began his ministry. It wasn't long before he got to the the core issues of life. Jesus went right, we would say, for the throat of the problem. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now, after John, John the Baptist was prison, prison, Jesus went into the Galilee, that northern area, proclaiming the good news of God, that people could have their sins forgiven by believing, not by doing. And then he says this, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. He was bringing that kingdom. He says, you, you're in the kingdom of Satan now. Every person is born with lost sin. They needed a spiritual transformation. Pastor Mark asked us to step back from our lives and see what God sees. He asked us to look into the future and see what God has to say about it. He taught that 1 John says that we should not love the world or anything in the world because as Christ followers, we don't call this home. We have a longing for a new home that's just created for Christ followers. It's where we live forever. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. 
In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we will learn about the will of God. Everyone would like God just to tell us what His will is for our lives, but that's not how it works. However, He does tell us how to live. By living this way, we will fulfill His will. He wants us to know His will. We just need to submit to His plan. That's hard to do, especially when it may not be something we want to do. This is the main struggle in our discipleship. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons for this